On today's episode, we'll look into injuries and recoveries. We'll review more hot and cold spring training stats, plus a look into strikeout rate and walk rate. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. This week, we're going to start off by reviewing some injuries that have popped up over the last week or so and how those injuries are impacting the players and could impact fantasy baseball managers' decisions about rostering those players. We'll cover a few that are bouncing back from injuries, too. Early in spring training, White Sox catcher Yasmani Grandal twisted his knee. Not the best injury for a catcher to have, but he's been recovering and played in his first spring training game last week, albeit a designated hitter. It's yet to be determined when he's going to be back behind the plate, but he is eligible at first base and designated hitter. If he starts the season unable to play behind the plate, this could have a ripple effect in other areas of the roster, particularly with catcher Zach Collins getting some added value to start the season. But it also would likely mean prospect Andrew Vaughn starts the season in the minors despite an excellent spring training so far. Larusa thinks Grandal will be behind the plate to, by the start of the season, but We'll have to wait to see what happens. Over the weekend, Rockies second base prospect Brendan Rodgers pulled up limping after attempting a steal. The team called it a hamstring strain. There's no timetable right now for a return, but it was p- reported that he was feeling better the, even the day after. If for some reason the injury lingers into the beginning of the season, the Rockies have a lot of options for their alignment. Both Garrett Hampson and Ryan McMahon can play second. That could mean more innings for Josh Flintes, could mean more innings for Sam Hilliard. So this is an injury situation to watch because of the impact that it could have throughout the, the rest of the team. Jordan Alvarez of the Astros had double knee surgery last August and played his first game since August 15, 2020. He said he feels good. He said he wants to play some outfield, but manager Dusty Baker is hesitant, and I would be too considering the knee issues that Alvarez has dealt with. For me, his power potential isn't enough to make me draft him simply because of the issues with his knees. If he was going later, I'd consider picking him up, but at the current value, uh, I'm just shying away from the injury risk for somebody who obviously is not going to produce as much as we think he might if he's healthy, but uh, I, I would just rather go for somebody who... Uh, is not as much of an injury risk. Another Astros star picked up an injury during spring training. Alex Bregman came in with a sore left hamstring uh, from running in January, Uh, but the team has been cautious, and now he seems fully recovered. Hamstring injuries can linger, so seeing the team take an extremely cautious approach with one of their best players isn't surprising. He'll play in his first spring training games this week. I have Bregman as my number five third baseman, behind Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rendon, Manny Machado, and Rafael Devers. New Mets pitcher Carlos Carrasco was shut down last week after feeling soreness in his elbow. Obviously, that's not what you want to hear from a pitcher. He said this is something normal for him to feel at this point in the spring, but the Mets took precaution and had him stop throwing. He's since resumed throwing, but this is some... Definitely something to watch. There's a good chance this impacts Carrasco's start to the season. He could miss a start or two in the rotation, 
He might not be kept in games long enough to pick up wins or quality starts until he can stretch out a bit. So make sure you're drafting accordingly. The injury bug has bitten the Padres lately. Catcher, first baseman Austin Nola fractured his left middle finger over the weekend after taking a foul tip off his glove. Other Padres dealing with some maladies are Fernando Tatis, who has since recovered from the flu, so he's just kind of getting started at this point. Trent Grisham is out with a hamstring strain. Will Myers was pulled from a game on Friday with right knee soreness, and Ha Seong Kim is dealing with some aches and pains. Reporters say Myers and Tatis should be in the lineup this week. The team is going to be more cautious with, uh, with Trent Grisham. With Nola being out indefinitely, that opens the door for more at-bats for rookie Luis Camposano, who I'm interested in. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch him. Finally, Sonny Gray is out with back spasms. The Reds don't think he'll need to miss much time and are hoping to avoid putting him on the IL, but it's likely he ends up there to start the season. This is going to delay his ramp up to be ready for the season. I'm not too worried as long as they get this figured out. He said it's been happening this month when he pitches with full intensity, but until he gets to that point, it's not bothersome. What's making me not worried as much are his own words. It's nothing crazy. So, he, you know, he says they're taking, they're treating the root uh, of the spasms. They're trying to figure out what's causing it and, and treating that. And hopefully he's only out a week or so and is back to throwing in games next week or the week after. But obviously you want to draft accordingly. He's going to miss maybe one, maybe two starts to start the season. And he'll probably have an innings limit at least at the beginning because they got to they gotta ramp him up. So draft accordingly there too. Up next, I'll review some hot and cold starts in spring training and what that can mean for certain players going forwards. That Hansel's so hot right now. A couple of Angels batters are having strong springs so far. Justin Upton, Shohei Otani, and Albert Pujols. We'll see if those translate over to the regular season. Otani's Obviously the best option out of those three for fantasy, but if Upton continues to rake, he could be an interesting outfield option that's getting overlooked in a lot of leagues. Mitch Moreland is looking like a strong candidate to get the DH job in Oakland with a good start in spring. There's a lot of hype around Toronto first baseman Vlad Guerrero Jr., and, and obviously that's not new. Many in the industry think this is the year he explodes for power. This is the year he finally reaches his potential. And while the average and the walks look good in spring, I want to see more home runs before I buy into the hype. He's got a terrible ground ball rate and a terrible launch angle in the, in the majors. And he's a strong guy and he can hit the ball hard, but it doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball if you're hitting it straight into the ground. So for me to, to buy in and draft him, I need to see more home runs. And until then, I'm avoiding him. Now there is... Uh, there's a catcher for the Jays who's off to a good spring that I am interested in, Alejandro Kirk. He looks excellent. He looks like a much better option than what the Jays have in Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire. He is a prospect, but he might be playing himself into some uh, playing time this year. Another Jays uh, prospect that I'm interested in who's off to a good spring is prospect uh, pitcher Alec Manoa, who has 11 strikeouts in five innings. He could get the call at some point this year if he continues to do well like this. 
it's good to see Christian Yelich start to improve. And with Lorenzo Cain's sideline with a quad injury, Avisail Garcia is actually looking interesting. You may want to pick him up as a speculative ad to start the season, but really only if Kane is continued to you know be hampered by his quad injury. I'm a big fan of Cubs outfielder Jack Peterson this year. I expect him to get significant at bats in Chicago. His power is going to play in Wrigley. He's definitely a platoon candidate for when lefties are on the mound, but he'll face enough righties to matter, and he absolutely demolishes righties. And he's looking really good this spring. Diamondbacks pitcher Zach Gallen is looking spectacular in three games, over eight innings. Yes, it's only eight innings, but uh, he's yet to give up a run. He's picked up eight strikeouts, and we like to see that. Corey Seager of the Dodgers is picking up where he left off and having an amazing spring training. If he continues this hot start and carries it into the season, you can make a case that he should be considered in that top four or five uh, for shortstops. Seattle has a few players who are off to a good start so far. Mitch Haniger is looking good, which is, is great to see. A couple young batters, Dylan Moore, Taylor Trammell, and Ty France are looking good. I really like Ty France this year. There's a lot of reports coming out of Seattle that he is playing his way into the starting second base or at a minimum the, the main designated hitter role, um, and, and he's going to be productive. Mariners pitcher Yusei Kikuchi also is looking improved. He worked on some new pitches, a new arm slot this offseason, and it's paying off early. While young Marlins pitcher Eliezer Hernandez has given up a couple of runs in his eight innings of work this spring, he's also struck out 12 batters. I really like him for late in drafts. Uh, he's a deep sleeper that uh, I think is going to do really well this year. I'm watching him. I'm watching the Nationals pitching staff this year for a few things. How's Patrick Corbin doing after a down year in 2020? Uh, and the answer is he's looking really good this spring. I'm watching to see how John Lester recovers from the thyroid removal. I'm also watching that uh, position battle for a fifth starter in the rotation. It looks like Joe Ross is going to lock that down. Eric Fetty and Austin Voth are also in competition for that role, but both are struggling pretty bad so far in spring. Victor Robles continues to improve at the plate, and he looks like he's ready to handle the leadoff role there. I want to see him continue to take walks, and, and that'll give me more comfort in drafting him. I think Orioles outfielder Austin Hayes is a great sleeper option in drafts. He has the potential to pick up double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, and he's having a nice start to spring training, and he'll get opportunity to play, and that's really the, the main thing you want in, in a fantasy player is the opportunity. There are a few pitchers vying for a spot at the back end of the Phillies rotation. Matt Moore might get a starting job there after a, sprung, a strong spring start. Uh, same for Chase Anderson, Vince Velasquez. Uh, now Spencer Howard, on the other hand, might be playing himself out of a starting role. So far, Archie Bradley has looked better than Hector Neris. He should start the year's closer. Granted, neither of them have looked particularly awesome. Ray's shortstop Wander Franco is looking really good in spring, but he'll probably stay in the minors for a few weeks as the Rays manipulate his service time, which is stupid. 
It might be time to buy into Kike Hernandez at leadoff in Boston. He's been doing really well. He's drawing walks. He's getting on base. J.D. Martinez is looking better, and that's a good sign as well. Uh, catcher Christian Vasquez looks really good, and so does outfielder Jaron Duran. And even though uh, Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers are struggling some, I'm not worried about those guys. And really, that Boston lineup is looking pretty decent. I think they're going to be a really underrated team offensively, but it's the pitching staff that kind of worries me. Uh, in Colorado, CJ Crone is looking to turn, he's starting to turn it on. He is a sleeper pick at first base in drafts. Uh, Brendan Rogers was looking great before getting injured. And depending on the timetable for his return, you could see some added value to players like Sam Hilliard, who has picked up a couple steals. And if he continues to do that, you know, he's got decent power as well. He could be an interesting option uh, in the outfield. One Tigers pitcher I'm paying attention to is prospect Matt Manning. He's got high strikeout upside. He could be better than Casey Mize, and we could see him this year. He's off to a good start, as is fellow young Detroit pitcher Tariq Skubal. Uh, somebody not off to a good start is Joe Adele. He's really struggling this spring. It's a good sign that he's walking more but the strikeouts are concerning. He really needs to take a step this spring, especially since, you know, in dynasty leagues, he's a very, you know, highly touted player, uh, probably was kept in a lot of dynasty leagues. You really want to see him turn it on and, and improve this season, but it's not looking great right now. He might even lose playing time to start the season because of these strikeouts. Michael Brantley is another player off to a slow start in spring, but I'm not worried about him. He's so disciplined of a hitter. He'll, I think he'll be back on track by the time the season starts, but I am getting more and more worried about Jose Altuve. I wonder how much of his drop-off is like age-related. He's just kind of like slowing down. And then on the other side, I wonder how much is the trash can cheating ring and you know how that's shaken him or how that affected him uh, and improved his stats. I'm getting more and more worried about uh, uh, St. Louis uh, pitcher Jack Flaherty every time that he pitches. As of Monday, March 15th, he's up to five walks, six hits, five earned runs in five innings. And yeah, it's only five innings, but I, what I'm seeing is command issues and that's problematic for a pitcher so he's somebody i'm avoiding and i'm a little worried about if he turns it around then that might alleviate some of my worries if he shows that he's got some command but right now it's not looking great cubs closer craig kimbrell say that five times fast is off to a really rough start in two and two-thirds innings he's given up seven hits and nine runs and has only struck out one batter i gotta see that turn around before being willing to draft him, uh, keep your eye on the rest of that bullpen because some of those other guys are going to get some some saves this year. I expected Mets first baseman outfielder DH Don Smith to be a solid option this year, but his slow start in spring has me worried a little bit that he might lose some playing time, especially with other outfielders like Kevin Pillar and Albert Almora looking better. Padres outfielder Tommy Pham who got knifed 
outside of a club last October is still struggling mightily at the plate. He's a 2020 guy, but maybe not this year. Uh, it's making me really wary of drafting him, how how bad he's doing this off this spring training. Another player off to a poor spring training, really bad spring training, is Rangers designated hitter Chris Davis. He looks dreadful. He's definitely playing his way out of an opportunity at designated hitter. That lineup in Texas has a ton of flexibility and a bunch of other players that are looking a lot better and could fill in that DH slot. Nick Solak, Ronald Guzman, Rugnet Odor. They're all they're all looking significantly better than than Chris Davis. I was hoping Ray's outfielder, Randy Rosarena, would be doing better this spring, but he's been struggling. He went off towards the last uh, part of uh, last season and into the playoffs, so the slow start is a little surprising and mildly concerning. And I say mildly concerning because you always have in the back of your mind for young players like this how much their success in a debut season, especially one as short as as the season last year, you wonder how much their success in some, with something like that is because pitchers haven't figured them out yet. Now, hopefully he starts making adjustments, but I'm kind of I'm kind of staying away. I'm kind of hesitant to draft him. I think the hype is is outweighing uh, is pushing his value up. And because he's getting drafted relatively early, the spring training stats and and those other factors are making me kind of pass on him. Uh, I was expecting Twins outfielder first baseman Alex Kirilov to be doing a bit better too, but he just looks overmatched at the majors. He has only one walk to seven strikeouts and 22 at-bats, so that's worrying to me. Gary Sanchez's towards start to spring training is slowing down. Big surprise. And he's now at seven strikeouts and 21 at-bats. That's worrying. And there are a multitude of outfielders vying for time in New York. But only Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner are looking good so far. Clint Frazier might lose some playing time to start the season, but I'm not worried about a slow start for him. He's got good metrics backing up his body of work in the majors, and I think he definitely sees significant time in the outfield this year. I'm going to take a quick break at this point, and afterwards I'm going to continue reviewing some important sabermetric stats that you can use to help you identify players you want and don't want to draft and help you make moves during the season. So we'll get to that right after a word from my sponsor. Including walk rate and strikeout rate with the other stats I've reviewed over the last two months will give you a solid picture of what kind of hitter you're looking at. By combining your analysis of all these statistics together, you'll be able to project how a player will do, which is going to allow you to field the best possible fantasy team. These are really simple statistics and they have very simple definitions. So wherever you find them, walk rate is going to show up as BB percent and uh, strikeout rate is going to show up as K percent. Walk rate is literally just the percentage of at-bats that a player walks, and strikeout rate is the percentage of at-bats that a player strikes out. Really simple. And although they're simple, I like to include these percentages in my analysis because they deepen the understanding of what type of hitter you're, a- you're analyzing, you're looking at. 
if you see a high walk rate and a low K rate, you know you're looking at a disciplined hitter who should be doing well. If those are reversed, you're looking at an undisciplined hitter and likely someone you want to avoid. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions to this rule. These stats can be tricky because you can look at them on your own and think you found a stud, and other times you can look at them on their own and think you found someone to avoid. But really, you have to combine your analysis of these stats with your analysis of other data points because these metrics can be misleading if you don't really understand them. There are a lot of different types of walk and strikeout rate combinations that can show a lot of different types of players, but it's really all the other stats in combination with these that help you see the whole picture. So I'll give you a few examples. A player that has a high strikeout percent and a high walk rate is uh, Yasmani Grandal, White, uh, White Sox catcher, first baseman. He had a 29% strikeout rate, but a 15% walk rate in 2020. Now, by looking at just those numbers, you don't necessarily know what to think. He shows patience and discipline in his walk rate, but his strikeout rate is pretty high too. But if you look at the other stats, you'll see he makes hard contact. His 2020 BABIP is in line with his other career BABIP numbers. He has excellent line drive ground ball fly ball numbers. His home run to fly ball rate and ground ball to fly ball percents are very good. And he shows good plate discipline. And in fact, he's actually improving with age in many of these areas. So why are the walk and strikeout rates important? Well, they help solidify the type of player I'm looking at and reinforce the fact that he is a patient hitter that's going to get on base, but he strikes out too much to ever truly be elite. That doesn't mean he can't be productive, though. Another type of combination you're going to see is a low strikeout rate and a low BABIP. So a player like that last year is Hanser Alberto, who is now a second base, third base outfield type of utility player for Kansas City. Last year, he had a 13% strikeout rate and a 2% walk rate. This is crazy. So in 2016... Alberto had 58 at-bats and walked zero times. Zero. He also struck out in nearly a third of his at-bats that year. In 104 at-bats the year before, he walked 1.9% of the time. The good thing with him is that his strikeout percent has been improving, uh, but it's still uh, not, um, you know, it, that still doesn't matter that much. Uh, he looking at these percentages in isolation would make you think, hmm, this guy's pretty disciplined for the most part. Uh, he might be a tough out because he doesn't strike out that much. This is where you really want to look at the other numbers. He had a horrible 22% hard contact rate last season. Uh, his career ground ball rate is nearly 50%. If you combine those stats with a really limited walk rate, I see a player to avoid. He is not somebody that is going to get on base a ton. He isn't somebody who's going to be very productive when other people are on base. You know, you know, and don't let the 305 batting average from 2019 or the 283 average from last year fool you either. With everything accounted for, including BABIP uh, and, and all of that stuff, a 280 average is probably his norm, but he should be 
pretty unproductive in every other category. And then you have players with a high strikeout rate and a low walk rate. And typically, these are the players to avoid. But like I said, there's always exceptions. So one player who fits this profile is Adalberto Mondesi, uh, who is the shortstop for Kansas City. He had a 30% uh, strikeout rate and a 4.5% walk rate. So traditionally, you want to avoid that because the strikeout rate is automatically going to limit the, the batting average of these players. But some exceptions to this rule include Javi Baez, Franmil Reyes, Pete Alonso, and to an extent, Mondesi is an exception to this as well. Now, while Baez, Reyes, and Alonso produce in the pr traditional power categories, Mondesi is going to more be a producer of steals. Now, the problem is that he lacks discipline as a hitter which is going to limit his average, but also his on-base percentage as well. And if he's not getting on base, then that could limit his other counting stats. His swinging strike rate last year was an abysmal 20%. That's really bad. And his overall contact was just under 63%. That was also really bad. And what makes it worse is those are around his career averages for those numbers. He has a relatively high Babbitt for his career, probably due to his speed and the ability to beat out infield hits, but that isn't helping him turn what he does into a good batting average or consistent production. He's a player where if his strikeout rate was even 10% lower, his batting average and those other traditional stats would probably reflect a much better hitter, but instead he strikes out way too much. He lacks discipline. Uh, you know, he, he lacks discipline so much that I don't trust him enough to roster him. If you do roster him, you know what you're getting, right? You know you're getting maybe the best player in steals in baseball, but you're also getting a player who's going to have some lousy streaks and is going to strike out a lot. To find all of this stuff, I go to fan graphs. Uh, you can search the leaderboard. You can look up stats for individual players. Now, this season, if you're looking for somebody with balanced uh, a balanced walk rate and a balanced strikeout rate, Anthony Rizzo is the guy for you from the Cubs, first baseman. Um, he's going outside of the top ten at first base, but by the end of the season, you know he could he could end up in the top ten. If you're in an OBP league, Rizzo is a must roster. He, he consistently walks a good amount, 11.5% in 2020 and 11.2% for his career. He doesn't strike out that much, 15% in 2020 and 15.8% for his career. So you know you're getting a guy who is going to get on base, who's going to be a tough out at the plate. This often leads him to have productive years and, and runs in RBI. His other metrics solidify him as a good hitter. He's never had an outlandish BABIP, so a range of a 260 to 280 batting average is realistic and really shows that 2020 for him was a fluky year. Uh, 218 BABIP really, really uh, kind of sets the stage for that 222 batting average. His hard contact rate has been good, not great over his career, but in a stadium like Wrigley, that's fine. His other batted ball percentages are excellent. He's got the right launch angle to put the ball out of the park. 
His plate discipline numbers show that he doesn't chase a lot of balls outside the strike zone. He doesn't swing and miss very much. And when he does see pitches in the zone, he's making good contact. I see Rizzo as hovering around that top 10 uh, first baseman. And if the timing is right and I need a first baseman in my drafts or a corner infielder, I'm not going to hesitate to take him. Next week, we'll shift the focus of our sabermetric review to pitchers. And we'll do a quick review of strikeouts per nine or K9 to continue to deepen our understanding of these stats and how to use them for evaluation. And again, the idea is to give you the tools to scout for your coming season, for your drafts, to make decisions during the season. So make sure you've subscribed to the show and uh, you'll get notified when each new episode publishes. I'm currently writing baseball, fantasy baseball, and baseball betting articles for thegameday.com. So check out my articles there. That's thegameday.com. I have quite a few articles coming up in March. Uh, Some have already been published. Spring training battles to watch, post-hype breakout candidates, preseason waiver wire watch list, head-to-head and snake draft tips are coming out uh, soon. And I'm also writing articles that are covering uh, win, uh, win loss over under bets. So if you're a betting man or a woman, uh, feel free to check out those articles too. Uh, I'll be writing about some things that I cover here on the podcast, but uh, some not. So uh, it's uh, good to go there and read those articles. Also, I'll be putting out a column on Creative Sports 2, that's the number 2.com every Thursday, uh, covering other stuff as well. And finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating is going to help move my podcast up the list on podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it really helps me out when you give a good rating. Follow me on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Follow me on Twitter at FastballPod, and feel free to email the show at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or ideas. Thanks for listening.